chapter 18, just the very opening portion of that on page 1042 if you're using the Bibles that are provided for you. If you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Luke 18, verses 1 to 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continued coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Grass withers, the flowers fade, and yet the word of the Lord remains forever. You may be seated. So this isn't the first time that Jesus has taught on prayer, uh, even recorded in Luke. If you remember, uh, back in Luke 11, uh, the disciples are watching Jesus pray, and they ask him to teach them how to pray. And he teaches them. He gives them the Lord's Prayer as both a model and a, an actual way to pray. And then he tells a parable there, too, about prayer. And that parable is as head-scratching as this parable. In that one, there's a, a man who is, has unexpected company show up late at night. And if you remember this, he, he goes to his next-door neighbor and he pounds on the door and he says, Hey, give me some bread so I can give it to my unexpected company. And the neighbor says, I'm already in bed. In fact, my kids are in bed. The door is locked. And Jesus says... It's not because they're friends that the man will help him. It's just because of the audacity of his request that he'll give him everything he needs to serve his unexpected neighbor. And we're left thinking, oh, and that's how, what? That's how I pray then? And then here he's telling this parable. And Jesus doesn't really give us much Input At the end, he sort of explains the parable, but he doesn't really tell us why, but Luke at least tells us why. Luke tells us at the beginning the purpose of the parable. He says, uh, Jesus told this parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. 
They ought always to pray and not lose heart. He's not saying that they ought always to be praying, but they ought to continue to pray and not be discouraged about praying. I imagine if I asked for a show of hands, like who feels like you're a good prayer, uh, most would not raise their hands. Uh, most of us, when it comes to our prayer life, we feel like there's something lacking. Feel like I could, I should be praying more. I don't pray about enough things. I, I don't pray often enough. I don't pray sincerely enough. Um, partly because we don't really understand prayer, do we? Especially if you, in a Reformed setting, and you're taught about the sovereignty of God and the eternal decrees of God and the unchangeable will of God, you're left scratching your head wondering, well, why pray? Like what, what does my prayer do if God has made up his mind? And then we read passages in Scripture where it seems as though God very clearly changes his mind over things when people pray, especially when people are mediating or interceding for others. And Moses intercedes on behalf of God's people who have just built a golden calf and worshipped it as if that golden calf had, had delivered them from slavery, 400 years of slavery. They're bowing down to this idol in the moment that God is giving the law to Moses after having delivered the people. And God tells Moses, I am done with them. And we're told that Moses intercedes. Moses prays for the people of God. And we're told, and God relented or God changed his mind. What is the point of prayer? If it's not to change God's mind, what does prayer change? And I would say that prayer, the purpose of prayer is to change you and me. In our praying, we are changed. When uh, I think everyone here would agree that your prayer life is, is one of the windows into your soul. Like how you pray or what you pray or how often you pray, it reveals... It reveals what you think about God. It reveals what you think God thinks about you. How many of you have struggled to pray shortly after uh, giving in to sin? You feel like, well, I can't, I can't ask for anything right now. Uh, we're not really right. I'm not really right with God yet. I haven't, I haven't done enough. Not enough time has gone since I exploded or since I did this thing. So I just need, I can't, like, how am I going to pray for even anyone else 
when I haven't even, I'm not right with God, I can't pray. And so Jesus teaches a lot of things about prayer. The context of this parable about prayer is, Luke says, is don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged in your praying. Continue to pray and don't be discouraged. The context coming out of Luke 17, Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of God. The Pharisees wanted to know, well, when's the kingdom of God coming? He says, well, the kingdom of God is already here. It's not coming like that. And then the disciples, he talks to the disciples about, now the Son of Man will return one day, and his return will be like that. It will be flashes of lightning, and you won't be able to miss it, and everyone will see it coming. He says, but before that even happens, there's going to be suffering. In fact, the Son of Man himself has to suffer many things and be rejected. And you're going to feel like you're suffering. It's going to be like the days of Noah, when everyone's just going about their business and Noah is building the ark and the people despise Noah and they ridicule and they make fun of him. Or like in the days of Lot, when all of Sodom is going about their business and and they despise Lot and they can't stand Lot. There are going to be days like that when you're going to feel like you need deliverance. And Jesus says, don't lose heart. Don't stop praying. Don't be discouraged, or at least don't be discouraged from praying. And so he tells them this parable, this weird story. And some of your Bibles probably call it uh, the unjust judge. And some of your Bibles probably call it the persistent widow. And it's Both of those are fine titles. I mean, those are the only two characters in it, and they have pretty equal parts, so either of those is fine. Judges in those days existed uh, basically for two uh, equal purposes. One, to interpret God's law faithfully, and then two, with that faithful interpretation, to judge God's people fairly. So a judge existed to interpret God's law faithfully, to read God's law. How does it apply? How does it apply to this person? How does it apply in this situation? And then to judge fairly, without without prejudice, uh, without uh, looking for bribes, without uh, assuming anything, but to judge fairly. And we read immediately about this judge that he neither feared God nor respected people. In fact, in case you miss it, Jesus makes sure it's repeated twice, once by the man's own mouth. By the way, how you can tell, it's just a parable. Because like most people don't say these things about themselves. Uh, but this guy, so Jesus first tells us, this man neither feared God nor respected people. And then the judge himself admits, I neither fear God nor respect people. This widow has nothing to offer the judge. She has no assets. She has no clout. She has, no, she has nothing that the judge siding with her will give him. The only thing she has is justice and righteousness on her side, but the judge already admits he doesn't care about those things. The other thing she has, though, is, is tenacity. 
persistence. Widows at that time were among the most vulnerable in society. There was nobody to care for or provide for them. And so if the community turned on them, they had no recourse than a faithful, honorable judge to make things right. The only thing that moves the judge is he's tired of hearing from this widow. You can picture her just sort of showing up at unexpected times. Maybe he's at the market and picking out some fruit. And he turns and there beside him is this widow. Hello, Your Honor. That fruit looks good. You know what also is good? Justice. Or he's walking home from wherever it was that he presided. And he turns the corner. And there's the widow sitting on his stoop. Hello, Your Honor. It's a lovely day for a walk. Oh, you know what else it's a lovely day for? Justice. Everywhere he goes, he can't get away from her. Like he says, literally, the words he says is, if I don't do something, she will blacken my eyes with this persistence. This woman is beating me down. By the way, it's a judge and a widow. This isn't a parable about marriage. How dare you? He says, I don't care about this woman at all. What I care about is myself. And if I can just get some rest from her, I may as well give her what she's asking for just so that she will stop. And Jesus says, hear the words of the judge. And then he doesn't repeat them. He just says, hear Hear what the judge says. And won't God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? What is he saying? What what do we learn from the widow? I think Jesus is saying, listen, I know that you think God is unmerciful. I know that you think that God doesn't care about your plight, about what you're facing, about what others are doing to you. I know that you think that God is so busy holding the entire universe together by the word of his power that he just cannot be bothered with trifling injustices on earth. And he says, even if that were true, wouldn't God answer your cries for justice if for no other reason than to shut you up? Wouldn't God at least say, listen, I'm going to give you what you want because I'm so tired of hearing about this. Jesus says, I know that's what you think about God. Here's this judge that does not care about God's law, 
but Jesus is the righteous lawgiver and the righteous judge of the universe. Here is a judge that hates all men, including this widow. Jesus loves all of his children and pays especially close attention to those who need justice. As Matthew, in Matthew, Jesus reminds us in another parable, even as you've cared for even the least of these, you've cared for me. Jesus cares about the widow and the poor and those who are sick and dying and those who are imprisoned and in need and naked. Jesus loves his children and pays especially close attention to those who are suffering injustice. This judge has no relation to the widow other than they happen to live in the same community. You, however, are the chosen, adopted child of God. And he delights to answer your prayers. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. Is this some magic genie lamp with more than three wishes? Is this saying like, listen, if you, if you ask enough, you will wear him down and he'll give you everything you want. Like many children recognize that that is not true, even of their own parents. Or at least it shouldn't be true. Parents, that should not be true. Is that, we all know from our own experiences, that's not the case. That we pray for things for years, for decades. There are some things that God answers no to. There are things that God answers just wait to. He is specifically talking about when we are praying for justice. That God is a just and righteous God. Does this mean that always in the timing that we expect that justice will come? It can't mean that. It doesn't mean that. Revelation 6 Sometimes justice will not come until the Son of Man returns, until Christ returns. In Revelation 6, we read, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness that they had borne. So here are the souls of those who have died for the word of God and for their witness concerning Christ. And they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? How long will you withhold justice? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Justice is coming for all who have been martyred 
for the name of Jesus. We are to continue to pray. Often when we pray, we need to remember, like James tells us in James 4 about our prayers. He says, is it possible that you don't, you want something and you don't get it, and so then you murder? You covet and you can't obtain it, and so you fight and quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. Or when you do ask, you do not receive because you're asking wrongly just to spend it on your passions. What is it that we're asking for from God? Is it just an easier life? You know, make this boss either easier to deal with or living in another area code? Is it like this thing is happening and I wish something else was happening because it would make my life easier? I love how in James 5, he talks about Elijah. And he says, you know, Elijah was a man just like us. And when he prayed for it to stop raining, it stopped raining for years. And then he prayed for it to rain, and it rained. And I think what he's reminding us of is Elijah wasn't some great, awesome, like, well, none of them were. But Elijah especially, and especially in the time when he prayed for it to stop raining and then prayed for it to start raining, Elijah was in the middle of absolute, the deepest depression he'd ever been in. He was quite convinced that God could not save him from an evil queen. His faith wasn't the, the mustard tree faith yet, but it was simply a mustard seed. And he trusted God. Can we trust God? Can you trust God to give you what is good? Can you trust God to give you what you need for the fight, for the struggle, for the journey? Are you willing to ask God to help you glorify his name? in whatever moment it is that he's called you to. Do we remember his promise in Romans 8 that he who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all that we need? Let's pray. God, I am convicted. I stay far from you when I feel I haven't earned the right to be heard. I struggle to pray, Father, because some of your answers are hard. But you gave your son for us. Your son prays for us. He 
He lives to intercede for us now. Your spirit dwelling in us prays for us. He intercedes even with groanings that go beyond any words we could say. God, I pray that we would be a house of prayer. We would be a people who cry out to you for justice. For those who cannot restore justice for themselves. That we would be willing to be the instruments you use for restoring justice to others. We pray that we would wait on you and hope in you because we see and remember all that you've done for us in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.